Amen. So, I'm not really going to teach a lesson on choices, but I would like to preface uh, a little bit of my life stories uh, about what choices are. Choices are something that comprises our entire life. From the even actually before we wake up in the morning, we have unconscious and conscious choices. Unconscious choices. I mean, if you didn't have an unconscious choice to wake up, you wouldn't wake up. There are insignificant choices, and then there are major choices, okay? Uh, an insignificant choice would be in the morning when you wake up. I don't know about you, but the first thing I have to think about is going to the bathroom, right? Okay, if I didn't, don't you know that there would be some consequences to that? Messes to clean up. At any rate, uh, with each choice, there's a consequence. There's positive consequences and negative consequences. Not all negative consequences remain negative. Not all positive consequences remain positive. Uh, as I get into sharing some of my life's choices uh, from the time I was little, and you can go ahead and throw up the first photo. Aww. Yeah, you notice the date. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was, I don't remember, kindergarten or first grade. Uh, because of my birth date, I wasn't able to start, I, I, or I started earlier than most folks. I graduated at the age of 17 instead of 18, so. Uh, one of my very first choices uh, was to, oh, let's back up a second. Uh, God made us choosing beings. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice or choices you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Wow. God gave us the ability to choose. Adam and Eve chose. Don't you know? Yeah. There were consequences to that choice. Uh, as I drive around town, and I do a lot of driving, I listen, uh, and I've been listening to the Old Testament, and it just amazes me how many times God's chosen people chose to totally get away from him. Um, even, you know, the, the, the major people like David, uh, even Aaron, you know, with Moses up on the hill, goes ahead and listens to the people and makes a calf, a golden calf for them. And uh, Solomon, and with all of his wisdom towards the end of his life in the Bible, he, he strayed and started worshiping other gods. And it just, it was, it's... It, I find it amazing. It's one of those duh moments, okay? I've had a few of those. Quite a few, actually. <clears throat> so, a uh, little background on me and my, my life. I came from a family of six. I was the second of four children. My sister is older, and then I've got two younger brothers. When I was younger, we lived in Arvada, and mom and dad were Christian, born again, so to speak, but they didn't attend church regularly. They chose to put us on what we called the Baptist bus. We lived in Arvada. We went to the uh, First Baptist Church of Arvada, and we stayed for Sunday school, so we were there early in the morning, and then we stayed for regular church service, and then we got back on the bus and went back home. Uh, it was at the age of eight, uh, I had the opportunity to go to a summer uh, church camp kids camp up in the mountains someplace I have no recollection of where it was <clears throat> but during that camp uh, my family wasn't real rich uh, but they gave me some monies to spend during that time 
And I chose to spend them. They had these little plaster plaques that we could take and buy, and then they provided paint. You painted them, and they were, of course, all of the religious pictures of Jesus and different things. And I ran out of money about two-thirds of the way through camp. And I walked up to the window where they sold these things, and all the women were back in the back talking, and there was this tray of money sitting there. And I thought, okay, I could just take a quarter and buy another one. I did. Whoops. Not a bad, wrong choice, but not a bad one necessarily, because that night, during their normal hell and damnation, you know, the Baptist church was, you're going to go to hell if you keep doing this. You're going to go to hell if you keep doing that, you know. Uh, I was convicted, and when they made the altar call to ask Jesus into your heart, I answered it. And that's where the Holy Spirit came into me, and I was saved. Now, uh, we can go ahead and put up the next scripture, uh, Romans 10, 9. And I've looked at the Bible. How many of you know it doesn't ever say in the Bible any place that you've got to ask Jesus into your heart? doesn't say that. Romans 10 says, uh, if you uh, declare with your mouth, I think we have the uh, NLT, uh, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what I did. Now, a little bit later on in my childhood, uh, me and my siblings got together and convinced our family, our parents, that, you know, if they didn't go to church, why should we have? They relented. We stopped going to church on the Baptist bus. And from that point forward, I kind of lived my life with both feet firmly planted in the world, as you'll see later on here. So at the age of 12, we actually moved out into the country. That was a good choice. So going back to the, the quarter thing, it was a kind of a positive consequence of having stolen the quarter because I received Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, you can look at everything from two different sides. Go out this week and steal yeah, something. go out and steal something. Yeah, you know, there's still consequences. So, um, yeah, or not. Yes, exactly. So, uh, when we moved to the country uh, at the age of 12, my dad was a then truck driver. He had been working at a filling station prior to that and had gotten a job driving over the road truck. Well, we ended up getting milk cows and horses and bunnies and chickens and pigs and all of the normal things you find on a farm. Well, as the oldest boy, guess who was responsible for that when he was gone three, four days out of the week? Me. So it was a great thing that my family chose that because it showed me what responsibility is. Uh, later on in my teen years, my dad had asked me at one point, he says, you got to be responsible. And I says, Dad, you know, he says, do you know what that means? And I says, no. And he says, it means having the guts to do what you know is right. And I thought, no, that can't be it. So I looked it up in a dictionary that we had, and it says, having the intestinal fortitude to do what you know is right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's the same thing, having the guts. So uh, that was kind of a, a good lesson for me. Um, gosh. I thought this was going to take longer. I'm already on page two. Oh, no. <laughs> um, at the age of 12, uh, during the summer months, my granddad on my mom's side had a 600 and some odd acre farm slash ranch down in Pueblo, southeast of Pueblo. Uh, to give you a little bit of background, uh, 
grandpa was, uh, he worked at graveyard at night, a quay piston shop or a manufacturer. He made pistons for automobiles and then would come home, sleep during the day and then work the afternoons and then go to work again. Well, when I went down, I would spend, you know, a month, two months helping him out. And uh, I would actually do things. He would leave me responsible for things. Uh, as a, for instance, there was one time where the, you know, they, he, had hay, he grew hay for the cows because he raised lots of cattle. And uh, the hay rake, so he had a mower, mowed them, and then it raked it into piles. You had to let it dry and then baled it. Well, the hay rake broke. And we spent his daytime hours, went around to different tractor junkyards and John Deere tractor stores and got what we needed. I had watched him take it apart. And he says, now tomorrow I want you to bring your cousin out here who lived in Pueblo, bigger, much older than me, had the, had the brawn to do what we needed to do, and said, I want you to put it back together. He trusted me to do that because he knew that I was mechanically inclined. Uh, and I went out with my cousin, and I surprised my cousin because I, you know, I thought, okay, we did. By noontime, we had it back together, and it was back in the field working. So it, that kind of gives you a little bit of background of where my, what gifts God has given me. Um, both my grandmother and grandpa smoked, as did my dad. And that summer, I stole a pack of their cigarettes. I made a choice to start smoking. Whoops. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to bring condemnation on anybody who's, who does, but it was, it was not a good choice for me because I liked it. And I kept doing it until I was 33. I finally, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, it, was, it was a God thing that helped me quit smoking. Um, in high school, I was... I was, I was not a bully type of person. I was basically a good kid. Okay, I made what most people would classify as good choices. Um, I saved myself for marriage. I didn't go out drinking and carousing like a lot of the guys did. I chose a different life. Uh, there was one time I think I got drunk, and I hated it so much that I never, never got drunk again. wasn't wasn't something for me. The hangover the next day was enough to convince me that was not a good thing. So, um, in junior year, I joined a ski club because I always wanted to ski. And during that year, they had an overnighter, went up to Keystone, uh, stayed at uh, a place that had cabins, and we had uh, six people. I was actually in the cabin with the teacher chaperone and thought, okay, I'm not sure if this is going to work for me or not, uh, and went and started mixing with some of the friends and went to this cabin where a couple people that I knew from band class were at and walked in and I smelled something strange. What's that? And I said, oh, it's hash. You want to try some? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to go there. Set up on the bunk. We were talking about six times around. They finally said, don't you want to even try it? I did. I liked it. Whoops. So that's something I got into in high school. Um, I wasn't, I didn't consider myself a user. Uh, I had done it maybe through junior and senior year, maybe 12 times max. I uh, didn't ever buy any to, to do, it was just whenever I was around some people. Um, I did go to a Santana concert once when my parents were out of town. 
And so I got tickets, went to Santana concert. There was a guy from the Indian Reservation that was a trade student, and he was there as well, and came up to me and says, here, you want to try some of this? And I'm like, what is it? And he says, it's peyote sprinkled with mesk. And I'm like, okay. God was with me that night driving home. I had six people that I was responsible for, and I was seeing little green men in the highway, and... You know, from Denver all the way to Perry Park and then back to Larkspur, Colorado. Uh, I know that God, even though I wasn't living a life committed to God, God was still with me and protected me all that way home. I didn't, I didn't realize where I was until about 15 minutes before I got to the house. I don't remember anything else from that trip home. And it was all just drugs. It had no alcohol, nothing of that nature. So... Um, it was you know, a point to bring up that God has never left me. Even though I kind of left him, he never left me my entire life. Praise God. Um, in high school, um, I made the choice not to pursue college because it was up to me to pay for it. My grades weren't sufficient to qualify for a scholarship. I graduated with you know, basically B pluses, A minuses. Uh, never pursued that, never knew what I needed to do to pursue a career uh, via college. I believe that I could have done so much more with my life had I not made those choices. Um, being the mechanic that I turned out to be, I could have been an engineer uh, with the talents God has given me. But that wasn't what I chose. That was another choice that, hey, you know, a good, bad choice, who knows. But it wasn't what I chose. Um, I chose instead to go into the service. I went into uh, the Air Force. I was in the Air Force for a total of three weeks. When I, when I was sitting with the recruiter, the recruiter had asked me, did you ever smoke pot? And I said, well, yeah, a few times during high school. He says, do you consider yourself a user? I said, no, I don't. He says, don't tell anybody. So I didn't. I had gotten 100% on my electronics uh, test and a... 95% on my mechanics test, and when they asked what I wanted to do, I signed up for nuclear weapons specialist. Okay? Two weeks into basic training, the drug lieutenant called me into his office, says, you ever smoke pot? I said, well, yeah. And he says, did you tell your recruiter? And I said, yeah. And he said, what did he say? He said, don't tell anybody. <laughs> okay. So I figured I got to be honest because, you know, they're going to do a top security clearance check and all that stuff. And he says, do you want to go home? And I says, you're going to give me an honorable discharge? And he says, yes, but without benefits. And I said, send me home. Okay. Um, at graduation, and this is another who knows where it might have left, left me at choices. Uh, after graduation, uh, we had the Kager at a local park down by Larkspur. And uh, I went with a friend. He drove his car. Now, he did have an alcohol problem. I didn't, okay? Uh, and I was there, and I met a, a girl that I knew from my hometown of Larkspur. She was a junior. And we started talking and, and so forth, and things, one thing led to another, and, and she was ready to go home, and she says, you want to ride home with me? And I says, hey, I will. We got about a half a mile away, and I says, you know... I can't leave Jim. Jim, was, Jim Thomas was my friend. I says, he's going to try and drive himself home, and who knows? I better go back. Now, 
had I not chosen to go home, who knows what would have happened to him. The next day, Jim says, hey, I've got a friend in Denver that is uh, inviting me out to a picnic. Do you want to come? So I thought, well, sure. Well, I met my first wife that day. Had I not met her, who knows what might have happened with the other lady, girl, I should say. Uh, you know, so those are, that, that was a life choice uh, that changed my whole avenue. Uh, four years later, because she was 14 when I met her, I was 17, uh, we ended up getting married. Now, that goes into a whole different circumstance. In the meantime, after having come back, I had started working at Gates Rubber Company. And worked there for about six months. There was a guy there that also was a pothead. And so I started back into the pot thing, even though I hadn't become a user, and became literally a maraholic. I lived each day of my life, even as a mechanic, wondering you know, when my next high was going to come from. All day long, when I started to come down, I would smoke another bowl or another joint, and I was back up again. Okay? Uh, it was something that I held secret from my first wife. She didn't know until later. And I, I know that that was part of our demise eventually. Uh, but that was my everyday thought, was getting high. Now, even under those circumstances, I still worked my way up from a fledgling mechanic to used car service manager, and then eventually convinced management that I could do far more for them by becoming a salesman. And that's how I ventured off into the sales profession. Within three months, because of my attitude, I was very, very much uh, still an honest person. People would come onto the lot and, and well, you know, how much is this car? And if it was a bad car, I would let them know right up front. No, you know, I would be glad to sell you this car as long as you know, for instance, it smokes or, you know, whatever. Uh, and it helped me having that mechanical knowledge to become a uh, top salesman. Four and a half years after that, I became a sales manager. I became the used car service, or not service manager, used car manager. And I was still, mostly on a daily basis through all of this, a pothead. I know it probably held me back in some circumstances uh, from being promoted sooner uh, because most people were aware of it. It wasn't something that I really tried to hide. You know, having gotten into the sales end of it, I also started into the rich man's drug, cocaine, okay? My kids once, I, you know, it, later in life, as my kids grew up, you know, I would ask them, well, how many, how many uh, ounces are there in a, in a pound? Well, 16. How many grams are there in an ounce? Well, I don't know. There's 28. Well, how do you know this? Because I used to sell cocaine. <laughs> We'd sell it in, in grams. <laughs> Okay, just being totally transparent with y'all, okay? Uh, it, it was part of who I became, those circumstances, okay? And again, through all of that, I know that God was with me, okay? I know that. There were, there were times where I would think to myself, I need to commit my life wholly to Christ. There was a, a salesperson uh, that was a Christian and was very much vocal about his beliefs. Uh, he was telling me one day in the sales floor about uh, a gentleman, a book he was reading about a guy in England that because of that man's 
belief in Christ and who he was, people would, in front of him, just give their lives to Christ because of Christ in him. It was, it was part of it. And I thought to myself, that would be somebody to become. But I chose not to until my ex-wife, I found out, was having an affair. That crushed me. But it was a good thing because in that, I thought to myself, well, I am just going to take a week off, get my head together because I was still in sales management. I went to the sales general manager of the dealership I was working at at the time and I says, you know, I don't know under these circumstances that I can continue doing my job to the fullest here. Just put me back as a salesman and I'll just sell for a while. And so they did and I took a week off. I went and got my camping gear and decided I was just going to go to the mountains and get my head together and come back to town, play the field, have fun and, and live the rest of my life. Well, on the way out of town, the Holy Spirit prompted me to stop and buy a Bible. The reason being is because the only Bible I had was the one that I had from Baptist, King James Version. Very hard, difficult for me to understand all the thou shalt nots and these and so on and so forth. And bought a, uh, paraphrased, what is it, uh, Living Bible. Yeah, New Living Testament's my favorite version now. It's different than the Living Bible. And went to the mountains, set up camp, and started reading. New Testament. I figured the Old Testament, I don't know, I'll start in the New Testament. Two days straight, I read just water. Didn't eat. So basically, I was fasting and, and reading and praying. And on the third day, I was starting to get hungry. And I says, Lord, I am just going to commit my life to you. My life is your life. It's no longer mine. And I went and... Uh, got my fishing pole ready, went out, caught a couple of fish, fried them up, went and ate, went back and read some more. Came back to Denver a changed man. People could not believe the joy and the, the having gone through what I went through, how I could be that person. So it was about three weeks after my ex-wife had moved out and we, we started that process. Uh, this lady comes in. I'm sitting there working with another, another customer. I sold them a car, got them out the door and went into the manager's office. The manager says, hey, I've got this person over here that uh, this new guy, we called him Green Peach. You know how we have languages in our professions. You know, there's our lingo. Uh, we even have, as Christians, what I call Christianese, you know, the, the language that we speak and communicate with. Well, he was a green pea. And this lady had been with him for over four hours, and he was getting nowhere with her. He says, can you go see if this is something that, you know, you can help us with? Four and a half hours later, my wife drives out in her new car. Now, don't you know, as a salesperson, I've got her credit app. I see how much she makes. I see where she works, how old she is. I also noticed that her birthday was three days later. This was a Saturday. Her birthday was on Tuesday. So I asked her out for her birthday. Well, later she told me that she had been praying for somebody to take her out for her birthday. I later told her that I had been praying for somebody that I could live the rest of my life with happily forever and ever. And that's where our relationship started. So, now, I think I missed some pictures. 
Yeah. Uh, put up the next picture. This is me in high school. You notice the glasses? Well, I noticed something the other day when I got my new ones. You see how the one temple, my ears are off. It's not the glasses. That's great. <laughs> uh, go ahead to the next one. Now, that's not my twin brother, but it's my brother. He's 18 months younger than I am. And I was the drum major. He was in band. He played the saxophone. I was a percussionist. Uh, go ahead to the next one. This is a senior photo picture from high school uh, in my full outfit. Yeah. 22 and a half inches per step. Eight steps per five yards. I remember that still. And I could, I could hit that yard line every time the twirling, the whole works. I had fun doing that. Uh, next photo. This is me and my second daughter. Stacy's my first. She was 13 when I met my wife. Actually, she turned 13 three days after Barb. Her birthday is the 26th of September. Barb's is the 20th. So, yeah. And then Caitlin uh, uh, was uh, our first child. So, and this is, this is her. Notice my hair? Yeah, I do yeah. notice <laughs> Yeah, I still could do that, but my wife says, I don't like the comb over. <laughs> uh, okay, well, well, we'll just do this. And then I shaved this part here because so, it looks funny otherwise. Uh, next photo, what was the last one? Oh, that's me and Barb at my daughter's wedding. Uh, we call her Elise because her name is actually Caitlin. But when she was in high school, there were several Caitlins, so she chose to go by her middle name, Elise, which is what she goes by today. So, um, Now, going back to choices. Had I not chosen to go with my friend to the picnic and met my first wife, and then left her, or she left me, however the case may be, I would have never met Barb. I would have never had my children. I would have never, uh, had she not left me, really committed my life to Christ. Okay? So those are all choices that affected my path in life. Now, could have my path been different? Oh, yeah. It could have been so much different. Um, when we first met, when we got married, or were thinking about getting married, Barb was going to Redeemer Temple. I had started going to Happy Church because that's where my ex-sister-in-law was going and she convinced me to go there and I love to listen to Marilyn and Wally Hickey. Um, when we decided to get married because of circumstances and beliefs at Redeemer Temple, they wouldn't marry us, so Wally actually married us. Uh, and then we, her church was earlier, my church was later, and we had a circumstance with family that you know, we were too late for the first one and too early, you know, the other one, if we had gone to it, then we wouldn't have been able to go there. So uh, Barb says, you know, I know this church that I've been to one or two times up here in Northland. Let's just go there. And I said, fine, I'm, I'm in. So we go there and they had kitchen chairs. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could like this. It was called TCOP, the Cathedral of Praise. Okay. Uh, you may have heard Pastor and Nina talk about their church. Um, and, you know, I never gave it another thought. Well, the circumstances came up again. And the second time we went, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, this is where you're going to be going to church. And it's where we joined. And that's how our relationship started. That was in 1987. 
Um, so it's been a while back. Uh, when we started going there, started building relationships, uh, Barb was in the IT end of it. She was a programmer, and her and Pastor started this business. Actually, Pastor started it and asked her to join him. Uh, he was the hardware guy. She was the software guy. And uh, so that started a different relationship there. Uh, Pastor decided to go to Tulsa at that point and help his pastor, uh, Buddy Harrison, right? And uh, so because of their relationship, and at that point I'd been out of the car business for several years and was into selling animated Bible videos. I could sell those anywhere. So I thought, well, sure, let's move to Tulsa. You know, that's where I ended up uh, joining, and this is another story that I should probably tell too. When I went to check things out in Tulsa on the way back from a Bible video convention in Texas, I went to Tulsa on the way because I could do that. They were already living there, and I decided to go to Willie George's church, Church on the Move. And so I got on the phone with Barbara and said, wow, I went to this really great church. And she says, we're not going to that church. So I didn't even tell her who it was. <laughs> She says, no, yeah, that's not for us. Uh, so I never give it another thought. We actually moved down there, and, you know, we thought, well, okay, let's go to the church. And when we went to the church, that's where we joined. And Willie's, Willie's primary focus, his philosophy is teach the children, and the parents will come. And I learned there so much about children's ministry and and. That's basically where my heart for children's ministry started, was in Tulsa. Uh, it was a great place for my kids. It helped them with their foundation. Uh, quite honestly, I wasn't uh, the greatest, well, i just put it this way. I wasn't the spiritual leader in our household. My wife was. And guys, it's not your wife's position. It's yours. I have since become more of that, but still... She is very much a leader in our household as well. <sighs> okay, so um, came back to Denver, having lost to, you know, the company that I was working for in Tulsa then was a telemarketing company because uh, the Bible video business changed the way they did. It used to be a, a in-home marketing type, and they went from, uh, you know, in-home and retail locations. I would set up my d displays in... Sam's Clubs, fairs, shows, uh, all kinds of different things, and uh, sell the wares. Well, they went to an in-home Tupperware-type format, and that killed me. I went from 32, well, let me back up a second. Within six months of being in the company, I became a area director. There were nine areas, and I was responsible for Kansas, Montana, Colorado, and Wyoming. And so I had retail locations in all of those places and bounced around uh, and was responsible for that. I had 32, 36, I don't remember the exact number, but in the 30s, in representatives that helped me in those four states. And it was a, a good income. When they went to the Tupperware par program, I, I fell down to four, including myself. Okay? Uh, couldn't make a living at it anymore. So I got a job with a company that did collections in Tulsa. And they did a very good job. However, what they were doing, uh, they were securitizing the collection somehow, and, and they were lying about their production and ended up getting sued for securities frauds, and I lost my job. 
So I thought, well, okay, it was time to move back to Denver. And we came back to Denver. Pastor and Nina had located in Highlands Ranch, and I am from Douglas County, so I thought, well, okay, let's move to Highlands Ranch. Uh, he was with Time Warner at the time, and uh, Barb had gotten a job through Nina with U.S. Bank, and I had gotten a job with a roofing company here locally uh, and started back in the roofing business, okay? Um, the uh, little while after, pastor came to us and says, hey, I'm going to get back in the ministry. Would you like to help us start a church? So we did, and we had meetings at his house, and we started a church for a little while down on the south end of town, and then they decided to move back up north and the rest of that's history. So that's how I got started. Okay. Recent choices. And you can go ahead and put up Matthew 631 through 33. This is something that I have thought long and hard about. Okay? Do not worry. To worry, to love, to judge, those are all choices. We have the right to choose these things. It says, do not worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Now, most versions say, these things, uh, how does it, I learned it originally in NIV. Let me think about it here for a second. Doesn't dominate the thoughts. Uh, it's escaped my brain at the moment, but it says it different. Okay, thank you. Uh, somebody want to look that up for me? Thanks, Nina. <laughs> I'm working on it now. I got to get to NIV just Yeah. Okay. So do not worry saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, runs after all these things. And uh -huh. your Heavenly Father knows that you. Exactly. Yeah, that's the point. Uh, so I like the way this version says it. These things dominate. What dominates your thoughts? You know, if you think about, if you chase after the kingdom of God and live a righteous life, all these things will come to you. Okay? That's a choice that I have recently made to do just exactly that. Not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Today has enough worries of its own. Okay? Now there's another thing that I've thought long and hard about in my life that just it boggled me. How can you do this? In Ephesians 6, 18, uh, if somebody want to read it because I don't have it up here. It's right there. Do you have it on the screen? Yeah, yeah there it is. Okay. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on to every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere so as a charismatic believing i thought to myself what do i do do i go around mudding and muttering in the holy spirit all day long pray without ceasing one version says pray in the spirit without ceasing so as I was studying this recently, I determined that based upon the word used here for spirit, it's not necessarily praying in the spirit like we would as charismatics think of it. It's being connected to Christ in the spirit all day long. Okay? It's a matter of, again, going back to Matthew 
thinking about pursuing, letting the kingdom of God dominate your thoughts all day long, not your, my thoughts all day long. And in that, I don't have to worry about those other things. They'll just come. Now, one of the things I've learned to do, and, and I don't know about y'all, but geometry when I was in school was one of my favorite subjects. Proofs and theorems. Proofs are absolutes. Theorems are something that you use the absolutes to prove. I read the Bible that way. There are absolutes, and then there are things that, like this, it says pray in the Spirit. Uh, it, the part about uh, uh, the kingdom thinking about or dominating the thoughts, letting the kingdom dominate your thoughts all day long. If I do that and just think that God's going to provide without me actually doing anything, it also says in Proverbs, a little folding of the hands, a little slumber, uh, you'll end up in ruin, basically. That's paraphrase. Jim Cameron paraphrase. Okay? Uh, so, uh, excuse me. Uh, you gotta, you got to judge everything else by the rest of the other parts of the Bible too. So you can't just sit back on your laurels and think that God's going to provide you everything. You still have to go out and take each day by itself. So that's one of the choices that, that I have come to. So I have time for questions, right? Okay. I thought that I would at the end, which that's where we're at, the end, me and my life, if you have any questions, I would be glad to answer questions. I am an open book. One of the things that I've told my rife, rife, wife recently uh, is that I want the last stage of our life from this point forward to be uh, no secrets, nothing hidden. And I want to be able to, for her to become my best friend, to, to be for me what she wants me to be for her. And that is to be able to communicate, to be able to express my feelings, uh, to be able to broach the subjects that are difficult. How many of you know in marriage there are difficult subjects? Okay, uh, So that's one of the things that, that has come about from these choices. So, any questions? Kind of laid it all out, didn't I? We want to get it on the recording, so I have the mic so that you can ask your question. So how did you kick the addiction of the cocaine? Oh, thank you for asking. That's one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, when I committed my life to Christ, when I went to the mountains and did that thing, I knew that I needed to get rid of those things. The coke, the marijuana. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do as a used car manager, my used car office was off to the side. We would shut the lights off and we'd go in and snort a few lines, smoke a bowl, drink a six-pack of, of beer. All of those things, except for the cigarettes, fell away very quickly. That was something God miraculously de delivered me from without any hesitation. Okay? The cigarettes, that was something different. And I prayed, Lord, give me the desire to quit. Lord, take away my desire to smoke. Lord... Give me the willpower. One night I went to bed, uh, you know, as I started having a habit of doing praying, and I said, Lord, the next time I pick up a cigarette, yell at me like my dad used to do when I was doing something wrong. 
Now, at the time, Barb and I were just dating. Uh, my brother lived with me in my house, uh, and he was a chain smoker and pot smoker and all that stuff, too. And even then, I didn't touch the rest of it. But he had his cigarettes laying there on the coffee table. I got up and thought, oh, i got to have a cigarette. Went to light that thing. I stuck it in my mouth. The next thing I knew, the cigarette was laying clear across the room. The match was on the floor, and I never picked up a cigarette again. The, God literally yelled at me. All done. Thank you for asking. Any other questions? He's Your coming. wife has one. Oh, oh. <laughs> She's probably going to bring up something that I should have said. I just wanted to add, when uh, he was talking about the smoking, we went to a Marilyn Hickey service, and she asked if anybody needed healing to stand up. Jim stood up and asked that the Lord would take the smoking away. I stood up because he and his first wife had been married for, I don't know how many years. Ten years. Ten years. And they could not have children. And so I prayed that even if we would not get together, that God would bless him with children. And so we had Elise and Jesse. Yes. Well, and we actually have a third child uh, in heaven. Aaron. Don't know if it's a girl or a boy. Girl. She, yeah. So we, we named her him Aaron because that's a, that's a joint name. How many of you have seen the book or read the, seen the movie uh, Heaven is for Real or read the book? And he talks in there about not knowing what his sister's name was because parents never named her. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad we named ours. We'll get to see her, him. Okay, he had a question. Jim, what's your favorite children's story and why? Favorite children's story. Now, do uh, you mean just a, a book or a children's story or from the Bible? When you teach kids, what would be your favorite? What, when you teach kids, what would be your favorite story and why? I think one of my favorite stories from the Bible is Joseph's story. And the reason for that is because through all of his life, through all of the things that his brothers put him through, all of the things that happened to him in Egypt, he never, ever forsake the Lord or got mad at God. He just knew that God was in it. And that's one of the things about seeking the kingdom of God. He, he was like, he just knew. So that would probably be it. What would you say is the best thing about being a leader in the children's ministry? Like what, what drives your passion there for you? Oh, that's easy. Bringing kids to the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many different things, and there's little things that I impart upon the children. Uh, one of them is about choices. Uh, you know, I teach the kids. Every choice you make, you know, your parents can't choose for you. When I started smoking, my parents didn't choose that for me. I chose that myself. Now, did I hide it from my parents? Yeah. But could they stop me from doing that? No. I said, your choices have consequences, both good and bad. And you need to weigh your choices before you make them. 
So I've actually, at times I would teach the kids, now, you know, because kids, are, you know, they get rebellious at times, don't you know? Um, I've said, now, the next time your parents say, go do something, I want you to jump up with joy and say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and just run and get it done. I don't think they've ever done that. <laughs> but, you know, see what, the, see what the consequence of that choice would be versus, oh, I don't want to do that, or one of their favorite questions, this generation is a why generation. Why? All the time, why? Why do I have to do that? Because I said so. Now, I will tell you, I am an authoritarian in discipline. It's because I said that. And it's because that's the way I am. It's the way I was brought up. So. <laughs> Got another one? <laughs> hey, ki kids, kids say the darndest things, right? So what's, what's uh, a couple, maybe one or two things that really <sighs> stick out over the years? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Use your filter, Jim. Use your filter. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head. That's a, that's a question that would take a little pondering. I could probably come back. You know, at 63, the memory isn't what it used to be, don't you know? Uh, you know, it, just, it used to be just right on with all kinds of memories. But, yeah, I, I really can't think of any one given um, give him a week and he can come up yeah know. I'll come up with one that's a question where you have to sort of prepare Jim yes. we can't thank you enough for sharing this I enjoyed it I was looking forward to it